You're now listening to the Something Good Podcast Network. Please press any key to continue. everyone this is chris from the couch potatoes uh i am here with uh the co-host of the cryptic conspiracy cult mr quinn quinn riley uh today on this episode of the couch potatoes uh we'll bring you something a little bit different we just finished watching uh the new series on netflix the jeffrey dahmer story all 10 episodes yeah binge uh, watched it yeah it's, it's yeah, a little rough it was my wife watched about eight episodes with me and like she was kind of into it, but then she kind of fell off at the ninth. But like the whole time, I'm like sitting there just glued to the television. Side. Yeah, the ninth and tenth, uh, Lionel, which is about his dad, and then the God of Forgiveness, God of Vengeance episode. Yeah, yeah. So, um, yeah, going on into the series, uh, did you know much about Jeffrey Dahmer before this uh, series? The only thing I really knew was the general facts. Uh, Milwaukee-based, uh, killed. I forgot how many victims, but cannibalized 17. 17. I couldn't remember. I knew it was over 11 people, but Mm -hmm. uh, murdered 17 men, cannibalized most of them. Uh, Also, uh, used a power drill and fucking hydrochloric acid in a syringe or boiling water in uh, the said syringe to insert into the person's brain in order to try to control them. Did that yes. four or five times over? Yes. Um, yes, yeah, so this series came out this year on Netflix. It was a 10-episode 10, uh, 10, 10 miniseries uh, starring Evan Peters from American Horror Story as Jeffrey Dahmer, Molly Ringwald as his stepmother, Niecy Nash as one of uh, Dahmer's neighbors, and Richard Jenkins from Step Brothers and some <laughs> other stuff. Stop, ma- stop letting Richard Jenkins raise children. Yes, uh, which became the meme real quick. Uh, um, throughout the series <laughs> um, but yeah this actually follows um, conversations with the killer of the Jeffrey Dahmer tapes that Netflix had uh, released uh, same same year they're actually releasing it um, yeah. in I think it's October 2nd it gets released yeah. um, so it was like a double release um, what also got released around this time was the uh, Gacy tapes yes um, I watched a little bit of that um, I'm not a big like I don't want to say it like this, but like I'm not a big fan of this serial killer. That serial killer, like they're fucking NBA players or something. But like the John Wayne Gacy one, I think is kind of overdone a little bit. I think so too. But I, I feel like the, the reason why he was so overdone is because of how prevalent he was in that local community, um, especially the position that he was in uh, as a, a chair member yeah. uh, or a district captain for the Democratic Party. Yeah. Um, do you remember a woman who ran for president, Michelle Bachman? Yes. Uh, so she's got a funny story. Well, she doesn't have a funny story. She's an idiot. But <laughs> she said Jesus chose her to run this country. Uh, she had went on the campaign trail and said, hey, I'm from the same hometown as John Wayne. Not exactly. It was John Wayne Gacy. But she said John Wayne. And so when the people typed in their own hometown, this is like a big giant sign, population this many, get fucked, John Wayne Gacy's from this fucking place. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, the clown. Yeah. Uh, 
and you're talking about like he's big he was a big democrat and uh, i just kept thinking about ted bundy being a big republican go figure but they both had those charismatic personalities they mm. were more sociopathic more prone to yeah. emotional outbursts Whereas- barry goldwater killed so many <laughs> <laughs> i have all the secrets jimmy carter builds a house for every sin he commits <laughs> he fertilizes his peanut plants with the bodies of those who've wronged him yes <laughs> uh, but yeah so uh this is actually really exciting when i uh kind of first saw it because i was reading some of the reviews me and alex actually sat here and kind of blase watched it uh i ended up finishing the rest of the show um the next two days um the the cast list is actually quite small considering it's only a, a core characters of about five people jeffrey dahmer uh, his father his grandmother his stepmother and his neighbor these are basically the big big characters in the show yeah everyone else is either killed murdered uh now, this series, I did enjoy that they put a lot of emphasis on a lot of the victims. Like, mm-hmm. they really made them stand out, the families, the people that were affected by his killing. So it wasn't just a one-way, linear type of story. It wasn't, like, uh, shockingly vile, wickedly evil with uh, Zac Efron playing Ted Bundy. Yes, so Zac Efron played a really good Ted Bundy. Very good Ted Bundy. Like very, I was very impressed by that. Especially even the court scene with John Malkovich. They yeah. actually, they had good um, chemistry. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so like I said, this was a 10-part miniseries. Um, going into some of the episodes, uh, let me just pull these up here. I just want to make oh, sure you're fine, man. Um, in episode one, um, it's right before he gets arrested. It's um, debuting. Uh, so he's actually in the middle of hunting, basically. Yeah, uh, in this episode, uh, which was a very good episode to start off with, it kind of gives you a dynamic of what was going on in the uh, kind of the gay scene uh, of Milwaukee at the time, uh, kind of where he set himself up, and then everything else is just exposition on how he got to this point. Yeah, it, it starts at the end and works its way through. It's like it plays him backwards and then mm-hmm. wraps it up at the end. Yeah, uh, if you ever see um, the movie The Other Guys, yeah, where Steve Coogan's, he's like, well, well let me just begin the story at the beginning. beginning. Well, or, it would be better to start at the, the end, end and then periodically work our ways in, you know, kind of create like a Rashomon. You're stalling. Just tell us where the files are. <laughs> Do you want to see Jersey Boys? <laughs> Damn it. He did it again. Yeah. <laughs> Wait, the Steve Coogan storytelling is fucking awful. You can't say shit. He was in Hamlet too. <laughs> I, I love him as an actor. Yeah. Oh, he'd be funny in this. Oh, hell yeah. As a cop. <laughs> What are you doing? Yeah, what you are you don't doing? even get rid of his British accent. Yeah, this Keep is it. eating people. Uh, yeah, so we actually uh, get into um, one of his uh, possible victims. Um, um, was it Tracy? Tracy Edwards. Yes, Tracy so, Edwards. Tracy Edwards. Uh, I actually... So there was a movie called Dahmer before this came out uh, starring Jeremy Renner. As Dom, yeah. uh, and uh, what's his name? Um, Eddie Griffith played Tracy Edwards in the movie. Holy shit! Yeah, that was one of the, there's like four different ones. There was yeah. that one, and then there was uh, um, another film that came out in the early 2000s as well. That yeah, was the guy all- that the guy that made the uh, Dahmer movie was the same guy that did the Ted Bundy movie, which is kind of a fucked up movie, too. But, uh, oh, yeah, that's like the one where they uh, shave his head and everything before they put yeah. him in the chair. And yep. they do the whole executioner, takes off her mask, and it's a woman. Yeah. It's like, that's not quite true. That was just for effect. But, yeah, so uh, in this story, in the, in this episode, it's mainly uh, Mr. Edwards escaping um, Ted. 
or Jeff. <laughs> Uh, Jeff, Ted, Gacy, I don't know if I could say they're, they're all the same. Victims of circumstance. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. You, they did the darndest things, you know? They did the darndest things. Um, but to kind of, kind of like going into like the main part of this episode was him escaping and no one listening to him. Like it, it kind of shows kind of the, the bareness of even in a city that this man's half naked running down the road yelling for help but no one's helping him and it kind of sets the stage for the whole ep- the whole series of these victims that all these people were going missing and no one's helping no one's actively looking even plays the uh the nine one one of the nine one one calls and also dramatizes the uh, other nine one one calls that yeah. um neighbors had made about him mm-hmm. and about any investigations and the milwaukee police department wanted no part yeah. in it and another thing uh He's very out of place yeah. uh, in this apartment building that he lives in. Um, this is in a poor part of Milwaukee, um, mainly, you know, black only almost uh, in this. And he's the only guy that kind of does it. I don't want to say doesn't belong, but is off, off the setting a little bit. Um, it's and one I, thing for him to stand out. I didn't mean to cut you no, off, but it's one thing for him to stand out, but it's his personality that puts him as very off-putting. Yes. Uh, he is He is a very weird individual. Yeah. Um, he seems like, like the way they portray, uh, the way Evan Peters portrays him, it seems like he needs to be, needs attention, but he tries to get it in a more fucked up fashion. Um, we kind of see that later on in this show with the uh, school in a way, he's able to make friends, if you will. In a way, it's kind of like the basis of Patrick Bateman in American Psycho. Mm-hmm. Why, anywhere he goes, he's often ignored. So yeah. then he starts killing outright. Yeah, Patrick Bateman. Yeah, so like that—that's a, a, a wild story. Uh, uh, the whole, uh, the whole Patrick. What the fuck are you talking about, man? That, that's and, <laughs> like that was one thing that hit me. Where it's like, oh my god, none of these people really listen to him, or they get him mixed up with somebody else. Yeah, you know, it's it's kind of like one of the. It's kind of like mm. Dahmer in this series too, where it expresses that he faded into the background. Nobody really paid much attention to him, and if they did, it was never really with good intention. Mm. Uh, and we do get a little bit of his childhood in the first episode, not much, uh, but that carries on to the you know going on. You can always watch my friend is uh, my friend Dahmer for uh, like a context of his childhood because they they blended that movie in in a good way. Like the, some of those scenes were very reminiscent yeah, uh, of that film. The, my friend Dahmer is actually based off a graphic novel. No shit. Yeah. So uh, that movie um, was very elaborate into the late teens. Yeah. Of Dahmer, um, but in the next episode, just going straight to it, it's all childhood just about yeah the please don't go uh episode um it's it's years before and we see that his mom has some sort of psychosis i think she was a paranoid schizophrenic i think she had severe Um, schizophrenia and she was taking uh quite a lot of different prescription drugs while she was pregnant with uh jeff because uh his father brings it up during a uh a doctor's session with her and him and said uh, Jeff had started becoming weird after he had hernia surgery which that's when they the cops brought the daddy and he was trying to kind of explain away what's going on with the son because at that point he doesn't really know what's going on when the cops bring him in this has happened before yeah and so he's just like, oh man maybe he exposed himself maybe he tried to touch a kid or something again um, and 
his dad kind of plays it off a little bit and yeah. gives his son multiple multiple chances i feel like lionel was was really trying to be a good father from what happened and he just didn't want to believe that his son was capable of this because when you see his childhood in some of these scenes and even reading into him his mother and father would have these fights like full-on screaming matches mm-hmm. that could turn violent at any moment in front of him he would always catch glimpses of it his father would walk out of the house storm out but his father was also the one who kind of got him into the concept of taxidermy and mm-hmm. uh cutting things open dead animals to start off with yeah um we had did a deep dive on him in our true com series uh we had um and we kind of brought up uh, an idea of is it nature or nurture um and i had put out the idea of it's it's a little bit of both yeah. kind of creating this monster yeah uh you know with him being a fetus being exposed to all of these barbiturates antipsychotics basically just harmful drugs when he's born there's the nature part of it but the nurture part of it being almost a, a semi-broken home with the dad leaving all the time the mom kind of comatose kind of dipping out here and there um and you kind of get a really visceral scene of that where there's like a baby crying constantly and his mom is just you think she's dead yeah like they, i thought for a second they're going to show his mom being dead i'm just like that is a she never she's died just, yeah, yeah like, she, she's tough <laughs> she but she attempted suicide god knows how many times like throughout yeah. the time to the point that when she attempts again richard jenkins just stops typing for a minute goes oh well i better call him talking about his other son michael yeah, we don't see, we don't actually hear much about Michael, um, the brother, which is probably a good thing. Imagine, it is a, yeah, yeah. So uh, we do see the detectives uh, Murphy and Kennedy. Uh, play one uh, Murphy's played by Michael Beach, which is who has a pretty good career in television stuff. Um, some of the stuff you probably he's like in that show. He's in a lot of uh, television dramas and stuff, and he always plays either a really really bad cop or a really really bad villain who's really dumb which yeah. i thought was funny it was like holy shit it's that guy but evan peters what did you think of evan peters portrayed as Dahmer? I, he looked exactly whoever was in their makeup department did a great job but of course he milked that with his his voice he honestly cop, captured the voice and mannerisms of Dahmer to a t even like he, he watched plenty of interviews probably listened to him speak god knows how many times to get that voice perfect because that milwaukee accent's a very unique accent it's like chicago and canada like mixed together it, it, it's like the uh the upper midwest accent but it's got a little bit more of a twang to it yeah and i i honestly think that's because most of that area was uh, dairy farms uh we're also kind of introduced um and I'm probably going to butcher the name. Um, Canarek, uh, Sufanusum Foam. Oh, yes. Yes, yes, yes. Um, Good. Uh, yeah, basically, Canarek. That was the only thing he got wrong. The name was on point. Oh, uh, yeah. Uh, Sufanusum Foam. Um, he's actually the younger brother of a victim of Dahmer's. Um, and we kind of see that when he's talking to him. Uh, he, he lures him to the house, which... First of all, it had to be one of a million shot, considering he is the younger brother of a victim of that man, of, you know, said Jeffrey Dahmer. And that was back when Jeffrey was drugging people mm. uh, before he would lead them to his house, because up until that point, he was killing people in a hotel room. Yeah, so his brother had escaped uh, back home 
which was very lucky. Yeah. Um, Jeffrey Dahmer, uh, in the series, kind of they kind of show him using Halcyon, which is a uh, a barbiturate. Yeah. Uh, that he learned in the uh, army when he was training to be a combat medic, um, which that didn't last long. No. Uh, I'm still kind of curious how he got an honorable discharge, honestly. Um, I feel like his dad might have pulled some strings. Still, like, I don't know, like, drugging soldiers and taking pictures of them. That's not good. Who knows? I mean, it, it's really up to the government's discretion. Maybe somebody, like, because a lot of this is also the incompetence of even people around him. Mm-hmm. Uh, law enforcement bodies, governmental bodies, um, bodies. even <laughs> bodies, 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 bodies in refrigerators. But, uh, you know, different um, points of authority kind of failed in reprimanding him in a lot of ways especially considering his first crime his sex crime against this boy's brother he didn't do any time yeah um they do go like so Conrad is actually speaking with Dahmer in his home and says hey I know you and Dahmer you kind of, you kind of see the way Evan Peters plays him is actually kind of surprised for a second like oh shit you know this this one and then ain't gonna work out, um, and he kind of plays it off. He's like, "Look, your brother lied to get some money out of me." Blah 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 blah. And he tries to play this little sob story a little bit, um, which kind of goes a little bit in contrast to what he said to people, where it's a compulsion, which I totally believe. I do I do believe that he had a compulsion to kill. It's it's like a drug addiction in a way. Yeah, but murder. Um, <laughs> and you know the drinking and drugs didn't help. On no. top of all that. Um, I didn't real. I, I that was one thing I never knew about him. I didn't know he drank that much. I didn't know he was a raging alcoholic. Yeah. So um, in letters and stuff, especially uh, stuff that his father had wrote down um, of some of the stuff he said. He said he drank to kind of get that shit out of his brain. Uh, he drank to kind of numb it a little bit. That's why he, uh, in later in the later episodes uh, he takes Halcyon and drinks and ends up kind of fucking himself up later on. Yeah. Um, but in the linear story, yeah, he's always been a drinker. Uh, just to keep that kind of like dull the senses, dull the compulsion. That, again, branches from his childhood because he was a teenager. I still, I, I'm sorry, I still love that fucking scene where he's in his classroom and he just, yep. just starts drinking a fucking Budweiser. Yeah. Jeffrey, are you drinking a beer? Hell yeah, I am. It's Budweiser, cool, refreshing. <laughs> Yeah. Cool, refreshing. The commentator, the the announcer from the Chicago Cubs, drinks them all the time. Yeah. <laughs> I just, I'll go to that. I was telling Cap uh, if you ever seen a Modelo commercial, they're playing fucking Ecstasy of Gold from fucking The Good, Bad, and the Ugly. I'm just like, stop doing that. Stop playing fucking Ennio Marconi fucking music while trying to get me to drink a Modelo. It's Modelo time, fool. Fool, <laughs> fool. Hey Holmes, <laughs> that's what they do. That's how they need it. Yeah, people who actually drink Modelo. Hey yeah. Holmes. Grab you a beer. Modelo time. And then one guy just shows up with a Ducati. He's <laughs> like, hey, hon, what you got there? Uh, I, I'm variety. <laughs> you better chill the fuck out, I say. <laughs> oh, shit, Holmes. But <laughs> before this turns into something else. <laughs> but yeah, so like he did drink quite a bit. Um, I They do show some of the stunts he tried to pull uh, in school yeah. a little bit more. Uh, but we also get... Uh, Father son time with Dahmer in this episode, where uh, he's fascinated by dead things, 
which his dad kind of gets him on that path where they uh, get like a dead raccoon out from under the house or something. A possum. Yeah, they find a dead raccoon on the side of the road. Yeah, but his dad actually you know knows what he's talking about when it comes to this kind of thing. It was like taxidermy. Yeah. And that's how like he created this compulsion and then found a hobby and then put the two together, um, which is more fascinating than anything. You kind of see it in like 80s horror movies of like House of Wax or something like that. Shit, it's even like The Collector. Yeah, the collection. He he's an etymologist that uh, kills people and makes makes them into insects, essentially. Yeah, yeah that's more of a wild set of uh, horror. Yeah, uh, that was kind of wild. Uh, it kind of reminds me that same ending is the same ending. Uh, kind of reminded me of Hellfest. A little bit, yeah. <laughs> Very open ended. The yeah. second one too, the sequel, uh, collection was a uh, kind of open ended also. And out of episode one and two, we're introduced to his neighbor, played by Niecy Nash. Uh, Nisi Nash is uh, famous for playing uh, one of the deputies in Reno 911. That's where I know her from. Yeah. I was like sitting here going, where do I know her from? Her voice? So we, she's hey, hey, hey. Yeah. <laughs> now I remember. Oh, my God. Yeah. Nisi Nash is a fantastic actress. She's, 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 that this range one, is amazing. And this one right here, she did a fantastic job. Oh, she killed that shit. Um, seeing her in this and then remember Reno 911, I'm just like... Not even the same person. Not even the same person. Yeah. It does. I love that. Yeah. Um, and like some of those, actually, some of those people from Reno 911 actually went off and did some other stuff. The blonde chick uh, from Reno 911 ends up playing the mom in the Goldbergs. <laughs> oh, shit. That's right. Yeah. Uh, the guy who played Dangle uh, played in uh, The Odd Couple mm-hmm. uh the modern rendition and a bunch of a, other He was films. a big like mainstay Comedy Central actor. Yeah. He was in uh, Viva La Comedy. That's before, right. Before all, before fuck, before us. Uh, <laughs> uh, going into the next one, doing a Dahmer. Um, this one is the one with the, uh, they're in the high school. Yep. And they, hey, Dahmer, do that thing, do that thing. And he's basically pantomiming a disabled man. And then he kind of takes a little bit too far where he starts pantomiming his mother in the same way he quotes like his parents having an argument yeah. like he, his father telling his mother to put the knife down because he saw put the them. knife down joyce put the knife yeah. down and they're kind of like they stop for a second and it's just like what the fuck and we also get to see his interest in dissection because in science class they're doing they're dissecting a frog pig it was a pig in yeah, that it was one. A pig. It was a baby pig. Yeah, that's right. It was a pig. Cause that's man, what threw me off. No, nah, it's actually I got a funny story about fetal pigs. Um, <laughs> really, they they really used to dissect fetal pigs. Yeah. So uh, I mean, I it's... worked at the I worked at the science department as a TA in Mitchell College. Right. Um, I was a history major, so there's no reason for me to be being there. At a place, <laughs> but uh, they needed someone to wash dishes um, <laughs> and laminate tests. Um, <laughs> so a shipment had came in, and the woman. It was weird working in the science department because she was the head of the science department, but her sister, who's a twin, also worked in the science department as another teacher. So I'm trying to tell them apart was fucking a bitch and a half because they still look exactly the same, even as adults. What do you teach chemistry? What does your sister teach chemistry? One's chemistry, one's biology. Like It was very fucking hard to tell them apart. What do you teach again? But one of of them was the head of the whole department. Holy shit. So uh, a shipment had came in uh, of dissection specimens, and they were in boxes and laminates and stuff like that, and they have a very odd smell. Uh, not of like rot or decay. It's just like a it's very – it's a very odd smell. Like if I was to smell it again, it's one of those things you know immediately, like ashes or oh, you yeah, know, like yeah, yeah. winter. <laughs> you know, that, <laughs> that crisp smell of fresh air, oh. but it's cold as shit. <laughs> you know you're from up there. Oh, yeah, dude. It's great but, uh, you got a fever. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so, 
I opened the boxes because I had to put them on a rack. It's baby sharks. They were supposed to be pigs. And I go back, if I go back over there to talk to the, the head lady, and it wasn't her. We got to go mix it up again. And because she, she led me on too. She's like, uh huh, uh huh. All right, first of all, no, you, you need to talk to William. She's next door. Why the fuck didn't you say that to Stop start like, off? Like, with? Twins play this shit. But, um, <laughs> Anyway, I tell her she's like, "Hey, I think I think uh, we had a mismatch on the boxes. Uh, I opened them up, like you said. It's not that." And she fucking came at me like, "Do you not want you to know what you're looking at?" Like I couldn't tell the difference between a baby shark and a fetal pig. <coughs> like fun fact, a baby shark is very dark blue and gray. A fetal pig is bright as fuck. When it's in wrapped in fucking cellophane or whatever it's in. And I mean, there's also the obvious physical attributes that Three le- are four legs and a, and a pigtail <laughs> and a snout. And it looks like a baby. Oh, Jesus Christ, it's Wilbur. <laughs> yeah, it was basically, I had babe right there. <laughs> That'll do. That'll, That'll do, do pig. pig. But, uh, yeah, so they, they just like, at, at that time, yeah, it was just kind of surreal picking up a... And it didn't bother me. Like, I think that's, no. why, that's why I got the job, basically, is because stuff like that didn't bother me. No, it didn't bother me either. Like, we dissected cow's eyes and stuff like that. But that we did never... a, a, a cow's uterus. No shit. Yeah, I, no. The, I heard about animal that. Animal science. A couple of people, actually, friends of mine have done that um, from their animal science class, too, of all things. Yeah. Animal science was a hor- Anything you took that was FFA affiliated oh yeah yeah animal science horticulture yeah yeah they they just had a whole cooler full of cow uteruses uteri (laughs) sometimes i like to take them home and cook them and tell the kids that it's fucking steak (laughs) god damn but uh, listen steak's expensive now (laughs) beef 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 (laughs) but uh so he actually asked he actually asked the teacher if he could take it home i when i found out that was a fact and the teacher again like Going back to what I was saying earlier about rest of society kind of failing to see there there was a little something off. Well, that kind of goes into like we had talked about it before. Like we're, when we talk about consequence that people didn't see coming, uh, like we could say, yeah, that looks weird. But even for us, like we do shit every day that we don't think is weird, or see someone do, do something weird, and then it's, it's like just, the guy who didn't shoot Hitler. It's like one of those things where yeah. it's like I did, I've shot so many other fucking people today. I don't yeah. think I can kill another person. Yeah, yeah or it's like uh, how did this guy get caught? Stupidest fucking thing, you know. He had a bad tag. He had a bad tag, you know. Uh, he had a bad tag. Uh, his wife was being a cunt to the cop while he had a kilo under the driver's seat. He kept telling her to shut the fuck, fuck up, up, and as he moved to hit her, which already was a crime in and of itself. There was a fucking Colt Magnum in his pocket. Yeah. <laughs> Just in a side, like, fucking holster. <laughs> yeah. Like, you know, we see this as like, what a dumbass. But at the time. At the time. In the heat it, of the moment. In the heat of the moment. <laughs> it's just like, we're, you're not Batman. <laughs> you're not going to see this shit coming. Way to go, Sherlock Holmes. Yeah. Um, and this is where we meet one of his first victims. I believe the, the very first victim. Um, yeah. Uh, the hitchhiker who was uh, on his way to see Pegasus. The band Pegasus. Ne- and the band thing has never heard of him. Yeah, like I don't even know who the fuck it is. Uh, his name was Stephen. He played uh, uh, Stephen Hicks. Um, uh, was his first victim. Now, this, this kind of goes on to uh, kind of something we see all the time. Uh, when we talk about serial killers and stuff, um, consequence like 
did you, why did you get in the car with this dude? Why did you think it was okay? Even the insult he hurled at him, too, when he found out he was gay, he used to slur, and that finally yeah. made him snap. Yeah. Um, but I think it's not so much as a snap as it was, oh, shit, I need to fix this before it gets out. Yeah. Like, almost a form of murder in the second degree, a reactionary murder. Yeah. Um, as opposed Crime to passion. So, so like his plan is this you know maybe take some photos not kill him but now it's a reactionary murder so it's murder in the second degree now the problem is you're because he killed him and the way he killed him you know he beat him with a barbell yeah um knocked him out and then put him under the house for a little while that that is wild and this is all under the pretense because his mom is gone and he's the only one home. Yeah. And his father never came home for like three months for the entire period of time. Yeah. Well, his uh, he was uh, at that time uh, when Jeff is in high school and graduating, uh, his dad had already remarried. Yeah. Remarried uh, Molly Ringwald. <laughs> uh, went from Penelope Ann Miller to Molly Ringwald. That's a, that's a hell of a pull. That's <laughs> good God, Richard. Jen- his dick game must be out of the fucking world, man. He must no, be just laid in his I'm kind of curious. I, I didn't bother to look up their real photos, but I'm just kind of curious what Molly Ringwald, what she was pl- actually supposed to be. She looks just like the stepmother. Yeah. Like, I saw a picture of the stepmom, like, one, one of their uh, uh, stills from the courtroom, and to a T, almost looks exactly like her. Uh, do you ever listen to Susie Cotro at all? Sounds very familiar. She's like a punk rock. Yes, 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 yes. Susie Q. Yeah, 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 Susie Q. They play one of her songs in this. That's what caught my ear no shit. stumbling in. And oh, shit, that's right. I knew that sounded familiar. I haven't listened to Susie Q in God knows how long. I've been going back a deep dive into punk again, and uh, me and Alex had uh, talked about uh, uh, the Spotify playlist you get. Yeah. Uh, how they auto-feel. Like, hey, this is glam, and I'm just like, Okay, Susie Quattro's on here, David I, Bowie, and I'm just like, why the fuck is this on here? And it's like Limp Biscuit. I remember <laughs> hearing uh, uh, Lemmy from Motorhead in one of his interviews talking about her. That's how mm-hmm. I actually found out about her. Yeah, um, she was very popular around this time, and it kind of, you know, kind of sets the stage. Um, now, um, after he kills him, this is when I th- the dad shows up later on. Yeah. Um, Sees him drinking, yeah, and has uh, finds out he's been in the fucking house for three months by himself mm-hmm. with barely anything to eat. Yeah, and I do like the stepmom. Me too. She's very like, well, Jeff, and he snaps at her. He's like, "Well, you're not my fucking mom," and she's like, "Well, I'll tell you what, you know, I love your father. Well, I love you. So let me tell you how it is. It is conditional, basically." And tells him straight up, like, you're right, I'm not your mom. And like, you need to get your shit together. But, like, she... That's, I think, why Dahmer liked her so much, was because she was just straight the fuck forward. She mm-hmm. didn't pull any punches. She just, this is how it is, this is how it's going to be. If you don't like it, then get the fuck out. But she didn't show any aggression with it. She just made it a very clear and concise statement, which is probably why he was like, all right, fuck, you got a point. Well, it's it's the, it's that stability he didn't have. Yeah, or the authoritative. I mean, the parent, st- stable-minded, uh, uh, matriarchal figure too. And I did get like the dad Jenkins. I was just like uh, played by Richard Jenkins. I did feel like he was playing that chaotic dad again from Step Brothers, and he's like, God damn it! Like every time Dahmer fucked yeah. up, his dad's like, motherfucker! <laughs> like especially uh, so going into this. Um, 
Dahmer uh, had talked to one of his guidance counselors. Out of all the things that were happening on in high school, uh, one of them was playing a prank where he enters himself into the uh, honor roll um, class photo. Yep. And they catch it, and they end up blacking his face out, which he takes offense to. Uh, and that's when his dad rolls up while he's fucking like scratching fucking faces off in a yearbook. <laughs> um, but they go to that dinner, that diner. And uh, he's sitting there, and you know, Molly Ringwald's like, "That's a lot of sugar, don't you know?" Uh, <laughs> now GF, now GF, uh, fuck off, fuck off, bitch. But uh, <laughs> I'm gonna go listen to trap. <laughs> so he kind of tells his dad, he's like, "I don't, I don't see myself going anywhere." And his dad kind of like talks it back a little bit it's like oh man this my son's about to say some really gay shit so let me just get up and get the fuck out of here and it kind of just shuts Dahmer down a little bit to where he's able to be he's not able to say like yeah I killed a guy because I don't there's something wrong with my motherfucking brain which I don't think he was actually allowed to say or no one was actually hearing him say it. well if you look at how uh, Lionel acted and I I even seeing that in the show and also reading a little bit about Jeffrey Dahmer, he said his father wasn't exactly a bad person. He never said his father was a bad guy or a bad dad. Mm-hmm. I think part of that was also because he felt bad to see his dad suffer through all this. Yeah. You know, him going to prison. He didn't care about what happened to him or what happened to the victims. It was just, he was upset seeing his father hurt by all of it. Yeah. And his dad was a very emotionally um, absent parent. Mm-hmm. Like, even they show scenes of him starting to get ready to cry, but then he pushes it down, which is probably what Jeff caught on to and what he probably taught Jeff. Yeah. Because they had the showing of emotions in his fucking batshit crazy mother, but, like, she's got extreme emotional imbalance. Well, the only time we see actually Lionel show emotion is when he picks up his son after he, uh, uh, out of jail. Yeah. Uh, the first time he goes to jail and he just breaks down. He tells the, you, hey, go wait in the car. I'll be there in a second. Yeah, I got to go to the bathroom. And then and, he breaks down in the hallway. Yeah, and that's the only time, you know, being secluded and, you know, by himself, which is kind of a very uh, negative thing to do, especially for his son's sake. Um, and going into the next one, uh, Dahmer, uh, he tells he tells his dad, he's like, uh, so in this episode, we also find out that uh he had bought. He basically sent him to. Uh, I forget what college it was. Um, he had sent him to college, and Dahmer was having a real tough time in college. That was down in uh, Miami, right? No, no. This is after. This is before. Um, University of Wisconsin, I think. Oh, okay. Yes, yes. Um, but he had sent his. He he paid for his son to go to college, and he ended up flunking out. And his dad just snapping. He had been like, "You're going to the fucking army." <laughs> Just no fucking choice, because back then, what is that? The uh, that's seventies at this point, seventies yeah. early eighties. It was uh, late seventies. Yeah, so they still got that mindset of if you're not going to fucking college, you're joining the military. <laughs> it reminds me of that Red Foreman, Eric Foreman. Yes, mentality. He's like, I could, I could fucking send you to the military. <laughs> and his kitty, ha, 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 no, <laughs> not my baby. <laughs> What's a four-letter word for disappointment, Eric? <laughs> like, fucking A, Red. <laughs> that motherfucker pulled no punches. Just so mad, Kurtwood Smith. He was always just so mad. He worked for Dick Jones. <laughs> he owns the cops. OCP owns the cops. You're a cop. <laughs> You're a cop. Bitches leave, and Eric is just sitting there. He's like, I said bitches leave. <laughs> 
Oh, Red Foreman doing drugs? Those were always the funny scenes. I loved him when he was stoned and he was just sitting there laughing. Putting fucking whipped cream on his head. Just sitting there, just smiling at first. and then it Oh, gets can you imagine just... Kurtwood Smith playing the dad? I would... Uh, you know what's funny? He, uh... Dahmer. Uh, Lionel Dahmer. Him and Kurtwood Smith are uncanny. I feel like Lionel Dahmer would... Or Kurtwood Smith would play a better Lionel Dahmer. I could actually see that. Wholeheartedly. Kurtwood Smith plays a really good bad guy, too. He does. Good guy and bad guy. And I loved him in Dead Poet Society also. I liked him as the uh, the Klansman in A Time to Kill. <laughs> Holy shit, I forgot about that role. Yeah. I watched Damn. that I watched that in Civics. I could see it. I could see why. It was a bad idea. Probably shouldn't have done that. <laughs> I could see why though. Because I cracked that's... a joke that should have got me expelled. <laughs> <laughs> My joke was the wrong two people uh, is I feel like, hey, why do you feel about this movie? I was like, it's a damn shame those two boys got killed. <laughs> <laughs> and my teacher looked at me and this girl I was hanging out with a lot she's like you piece of shit you're a fucking asshole it didn't help that she was black too it's just like, <laughs> uh, you're right I shouldn't have said that I'm fucked All right. I'm like but it was one of those things like well you laughed didn't you <laughs> you laughed and you can't take that away yeah yeah. and going into this uh, he goes from high school to the army and Jeff struggles to find stability you know in the army then he gets honorably discharged um and this is where he kind of gets shipped off because it he does Lionel does do the stepbrother scene. Get the fuck out the car! Like yeah, like, uh, <laughs> that same kind of scream when he when uh, Dale was talking about like Nancy fucking him and he just is doing dishes and goes shut the fuck up. <laughs> <laughs> just stares at him. I'm sorry, Mr. Dobek. <laughs> Mom, Dobek. <laughs> I'll tell you what, if he gets in my face, I'm going to fuck him up. I'm going to drop that motherfucker. <laughs> Jesus, Brennan. <laughs> I'm just like, like Dahmer saying that about Molly Ringwald. I'll tell you what, if she gets in my fucking face, I'm going to drop that motherfucker. <laughs> you're not dropping anybody, Jeff. Yeah, Jeff, shut the fuck up. You know what you're dropping? My fucking uh, uh, approval of you. <laughs> you know what you're dropping? My fucking credit score for me bailing you out fucking constantly. Yeah. Uh, so he goes to his grandma's house, which was kind of a weird type situation. It um, was really strange seeing that whole interaction with him and his grandmother. Because mm-hmm. his grandmother picked up on the shit like, almost instantaneously. That there was yeah. something completely wrong with him. Well, in this one, in this episode, um, he's in a department store. Yeah. Uh, now keep in mind, he's already murdered one person, and he's a, he he tells the cops during the interview. He's like, "Oh yeah, I, I I didn't kill for a very long time after that first murder," and it's truthful, you know. Yeah, he he, he, he had, had, a he had branched out in like cool social, period. in society. He branched out went to college, went to the army. Granted, he's failed at both, but um, now when he's living with his grandmother, he works for the butcher. You know, he's got a kind of a steady job. Uh, he goes to buy a new shirt, and that's where he sees the mannequin. Now this was this was kind of an elaborate kind of thing I thought was the the amount of forethought and the amount of what the fuck are you doing how did you do, how did you do this uh, was, without being seen yeah it was it was he he waited in a uh, uh, changing area yep and I'm just like no one checked the changing area there's literally a cop with you like it's the just, 70s yeah it's the 70s that's a lot of that's the excuse for a lot of crime it was the 1860s it was okay. No, Listen, the, it happens. What, what the fuck? <laughs> Listen, the Wild West, that's why there's a lot of unsolved murders. You, yeah. But it wasn't really unsolved by the bystanders. They all saw who did it. Who the fuck's going to report it? Yeah. fuck's the point? Sheriff's going to be like, nah, dude, I got better shit to worry about. 
It's Boston in 1974. It's a kid and a preacher. What, a priest, what are you going to say? He <laughs> took him to Duncan. He got the fuck out of there. <laughs> he took him to Duncan, did the thing, got out of there. And then bought donuts. And then bought donuts for the whole precinct. <laughs> Why are we going to be mad at him? Yeah, what, what are you going to be? He, he grows up. He, he becomes a fucking successful cop who may or may not have killed people. <laughs> <laughs> Looking at you, Golden State Killer. Golden State, yeah. <laughs> Poor Pat now's old wife. Oh, fucking Christ. Um, and some of the stuff in here... Uh, I was leading at the uh, the kind of goofs in there. Uh, when Dahmer comes, it's like a a goof that was left in. Uh, when Dahmer comes home from the uh, army, he's wearing a National Defense Medal. Medal is only awarded times is only awarded during times of conflict. Uh, Dahmer wasn't in the military during the time of conflict, um, but he does successfully steal the mannequin. And this becomes that mom, stay out of my room type situation. But like way over the fucking top with that rage. All he had to do was like, "Hey, honey, I'm gonna you know change your bed." He's like, "Hey, you know what? Let me let me do that for you." That's all he had to say. One line, one thing. And you know, he's basically no. I changed my own goddamn bed. <laughs> yeah, it, it's not. There, there's no civil way to go about mm-hmm. things. It's either one way or the other, which just shows a hit, the balance of both of his parents. <laughs> And during this time, he starts, you know, killing again. Uh, his grandma had stopped him from drinking, um, or at least slowed it down. Yeah. And um, she, he had that little little altar to Satan in his grandma's house. Yep. Uh, and she was, like, obviously turned off by that shit. But the mannequin really threw her the fuck off. Because <laughs> she throws it away. And he fucking loses it. Like, snaps. Yeah, and he snaps at her. Um, and she's kind of in, like, shell shock a little bit uh, from that. And we start getting these uh, flashbacks of one-by-ones of these guys just being at her house. And he started killing people in her house. That's what fucking hit me, was that he was killing people in her house while he was staying there. Then she didn't. she was none the wise to it. She didn't want to know because this time also he's kind of showing that he is gay and to her being religious and especially this time too with a lot of uh lgbtq member uh, people of the lgbtq uh community we're shunned fucking constantly this is pre uh stonewall riots yeah this is still you know very hush hush the bathhouses thing is mm-hmm. a great example of that where it's you know in private the clubs are blacked out it's very much a uh, a guise because of her over-religious kind of mindset. She just looked over all of it. Yeah. She just figured she was fucking these guys and leaving. And around this time was, uh, especially the late, late 70s, was the discovery of AIDS. Yeah. Uh, which doesn't show up more prevalent until about 82, 83. And that's actually shown in the show in the later episodes as well. When mm-hmm. uh, Tracy, Tracy became a counselor, didn't he? Yeah, so uh, his mom was a was a counselor slash worked at a doctor's office right basically um where she she kind of drops her guard a little bit when she tells the guy he doesn't have aids uh, that was like a penelope and miller's character yeah uh, Dahmer's mom was working at another clinic yeah. and doing the same thing they mentioned uh one of the patients having like yeah. his hiv test coming up negative yeah. and that was much later on after they called him yeah um 
But going on to the other one, uh, Blood on Their Hands, Episode 5, uh, Jeff's list of victims grows longer without full police investigation and encounters with teen with a teen lands him in jail. This is Super Noose and Phone's older brother. Yep. Uh, where he drugs him with Halcyon. It doesn't quite work. He doesn't give him enough. And he actually takes a misdose uh, of his own drink. <laughs> yep. Um, and this is where he has to serve some form of time. Uh, and this is this is where we get the crying scene from Lionel where he picks him up in jail. And he has to move away. Like, he has to. Um, and we get some more flashbacks later episodes of some filler of why he's not at the grandma's house anymore because of all this crazy shit he's doing. Um, but uh, with blood on their hands, this episode was really neat because it kind of facilitates his his spree now in a more private setting. They basically gave him, rolled out a red carpet for him to be like, no, go believe by yourself now. Where now someone you live with could have just, you know, ratted you out. Like your grandma could have been like, hey, I saw some of these guys who were missing in my house the night before they went missing. Now he's got his own little private yeah. murder dungeon. And they accidentally kind of facilitate that, which if you think about it in hindsight where we treat, you know, uh, sex offenders is... They can only live so far from other places. You know, they can't be within so much of a school or a daycare or something. So you're kind of pinpointing them in the middle of these little spots, these little gray areas. But you're also facilitating a new area to do their crimes. Yeah. Especially the more hardcore ones. Of of course. Um, But in this one, I really liked because it's, it's just, it's a giant setup, but it also hits up with the super nuisance phone family um and I, the dad i really felt bad for uh, worst of all because yeah his son didn't get no justice and then his second son is murdered and didn't see justice and his indifference to all of the money that he's been given and all this he just doesn't fucking care because in his mind which i think any parent in that situation would feel it's not going to bring my son back yeah. doesn't matter. You guys already fucked me over when it came to my son. Yeah. Um, and we actually see Cognac, uh, Cognac um, in the audience of the ju- of the of the court. Yep. And we've already seen him, you know, get killed pretty much or get hunted or, you know, pulled down. And this is what I like about Niecy Nash's character. She really, like, you feel for her character a lot because she's trying to help this guy out. Because um, some of the goose in this one is, uh, it wasn't really his neighbor that found yeah. Cognac. It was two women on the street. Yeah. And um, they're trying to help him out, but Jeffrey Dahmer happened to be, like, it, it, it's kind of weird, actually, yeah. Uh, he had got away. Jeffrey Dahmer was kind of clueless about this because he had left. And when he came back, he sees the guy he was going to kill in the fucking street. And he's able to con that guy back into the house, back into the apartment. And this is also where those two Milwaukee police officers come into the whole fold. Yes. Um, they stayed to the police force. They recently retired not long ago. Yeah, with tenure and pensions um, because they got kicked off in 93 and they got reinstated in 95 mm-hmm. because of a judge um, basically a ruling in their favor yeah finding a legality loophole yeah um, 
But you know what they say about Milwaukee police? They just feed people to other people. (laughs) Bobcat Goldthwait had a great fucking joke about those two cops. You know Bobcat Goldthwait, the guy Mm -hmm. that was... yeah. I'd only seen him stand up one time, and he had a great Jeffrey Dahmer joke. I can't think of it right now, but damn, that was a <laughs> solid fucking joke. And I was just like, dude, this this guy really had, had was a great stand up. I just remember a friend of mine telling me a story about he was in Milwaukee for a uh, concert. Like it was a whole, uh, I can't remember if it was a festival or a tour, and he was living around the Midwest at that time. And Milwaukee was the one city he was going to mm-hmm. around his area, so he went up there. His car ended up getting stolen, so he reports the MPD. And when he's talking to the woman at the front desk and they keep telling him, yeah, we have no idea what happened to it. And he's like, oh, so let me get this straight. You guys can use your resources to bring a kid back, a 14-year-old kid back to a serial murderer's house, but you can't find my fucking Toyota. <laughs> and the whole fucking room, everybody behind the counter turned and was just glaring at him. And pretty much, without saying it, telling him, you need to get the fuck out of here. There's one thing the uh, Milwaukee Police Department does not like being brought up. It's those two cops. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Well, well, fuck Milwaukee. Let's it, just go. To be honest with you, it was a, it was a powder keg in terms of the police. It wasn't just them. It was the entire yeah. fucking police department. It yeah. was just not caring about the cases, especially when it came from a, a, a like a, a lower income neighborhood where Jeff was living. Mm-hmm. Um, and we do get kind of a little bit more interaction with Jeff and his neighbor. Yeah, which I liked. Uh, the smell. She she issues the complaint against him. Um, and the landlord. I feel for this motherfucking landlord, man. He had no idea what was going on. He was so nice and just so scared. He was nice to all the tenants. You know, he, he fought for them a little bit, you know, because quite was, a lot. At one point, they were sleep, all sleeping in the lobby. And he's just like, that's cool. And then the owners are like, you can't let them do that. And he's like, I don't want to tell them that shit. <laughs> like, come on, man. Just let them say. The Milwaukee madman lived here. <laughs> <laughs> he ate people. These people kind of need a little break or something. Yeah, man. You know, you know what they say? Can't beat them, eat them. <laughs> That's always a favorite of mine. I love that. <laughs> and bakery, bakery fresh skin of men rolls. <laughs> oh, my God. In uh, the next episode, which I, this is actually my favorite episode, episode six, Silenced, um, which is the story of uh, Tony, who lived in oh, Madison, Wisconsin, who was, who was born deaf. Uh, he wasn't really born deaf. Uh, he was he was deaf because of a um, uh, an uh, antibiotic he had took that yes. caused deafness, um, which is actually I believe the same antibiotic that was invented around the time that Ray Charles caused his uh, blindness. I think so as well. I think it was the same thing. Yeah. So it was, this is an antibiotic that was used very long time ago before people realized. Yeah, it, this affects people in an adverse way, um, but. Uh, we get from the time he is born, the time he's you know diagnosed with deafness, and we see him grow up into and doing a young well man for himself. And he's struggling. He is struggling. Um, I had a few. I had met a few people growing up uh, right out of college uh, because of my roommate at the time. He knew some deaf people, uh, and he was taking sign language at the time. And um, I was fortunate to know these people. I almost actually shot a deaf person. Uh, because they didn't respond, I didn't recognize them at the door. Uh, it was pouring down rain. Same kind of situation here. Hurricane rolling through. Yeah. Uh, and it was like three or four o'clock in the morning. Someone was knocking at my apartment door. Power was out. Pitch black. No street lights. No nothing. Everything was black. Um, and it was a dude in a poncho who was bald and had a long beard. It was a friend, Deaf Mike, and we didn't realize he had cut his hair. 
And so I had a gun at the door jam with my foot at the door, and I was ready to pop that motherfucker open. And he carried two phones. Remember the uh, remember the uh, Motorola Switch, which yeah, little, uh, that it flips over. Yeah, he kept two phones, and he would just type out and just show you, kind of like the way uh, Tony did in this episode, where, where he, he had would the write on the little notepad. Yeah. Uh, uh, I was like, oh shit, it's my come on in, man. Fuck, it's fucking storm and shit. <laughs> I'm just like, fuck, man. Uh, oh boy, ain't here, but man, you're working to crash on the couch, man. Fucking get out of this weather. He's wearing a poncho, driving a moped, dead as hell. Jesus Christ. But, uh, <laughs> but because of that, I, I actually got to learn sign language more and more. And I still use it today uh, for some people. Um, I did find out a lot of people in the uh, dialysis, because uh, I used to do dialysis a lot, are deaf. Which I, Really? I don't know if there's a correlation between that. I never bothered to do the research on that's something you probably should do the research yeah. on just in case. Yeah, uh, I, don't, I don't think I'm going to get deaf. <laughs> you say that now and then all of a sudden you're signing. What? Like, what? Chris, stop throwing up gang signs. I hate when you stutter. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, it's the seizures. Yeah. <laughs> um, but this, this, this actually you know, hits a little differently because we know more about this victim than all the other. Now, you know, the, the Lacia boy is the famous victim but this one hits harder than all of them because he was trying to be a model a deaf model also a gay deaf man too like well he had formed a relationship with Dahmer yeah because uh, we see early on he's struggling to find a relationship in the gay bar scene and his friends are you know trying to help him out trying to build up his confidence a little bit one guy's just like you know just find your guy blah 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 and what's fucked up is he got killed yes Batman was killed uh, in Madison um now he decides to move from Madison to Wisconsin, uh, to Milwaukee, um, because it's a better scene, bigger city, bigger city, and more opportunities. Uh, I did hate it that he walked in that record store, and they basically turned him away, like right from the start. Right from the start, and that one guy kind of looks at his boss like, "What the fuck, you cunt." It's, it's just like it's a record store. store, and it's just like, "Yeah, I get that." Beethoven but, was fucking uh, deaf. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But he could, if you remember him in the scene of the bar, he's pounding his chest he's, because he could feel the beat. Exactly. Yeah. Um, very, very kind of a surreal type episode. Um, and like I said, it, it is fucking heart wrenching um, to hear some of this, like see some of this stuff. Um, um, and now. Um, this one has actually got the highest rating of all the other episodes. Of course, because uh, he was a very... It, the character really stood out. His family was really accepting about him. It, it was like the polar opposite of Dahmer's family. Yeah. Um, his sister was supportive of him. His mom was supportive of him. Now, she did say, hey, you know, be safe, blah, blah, blah. You don't need to move. You're safe here. And you kind of see that as like a mom and son or mom and child kind of aspect of it. And you're just, just like, you know this is going to end bad. And it's like the moment he's taken from her, she just sits there and stares at his empty seat. Yeah. And like, that's what fucking killed me. It was just mm. seeing her just sit there and like relive all the memories she had with him. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that, that was silenced. Um, and the woman that plays the mom is fantastic. Yeah. Uh, we see a lot more of her in the last two episodes. Um, going into episode seven, Cassandra, uh, which is my sister's name. <laughs> Um, so this is after Dahmer has confessed we've actually been seeing a lot of backdrop in every episode of him confessing um, I didn't like the fact that that one cop said he targeted black guys because he's a racist 
he targeted black guys because he's it's convenient. Well, it was also the neighborhood he was in too. Yeah. Was predominantly. Well, that's what I'm saying. That's what called it, it was convenient. Yeah, if he was in a white neighborhood, he would have done it to whites. Yeah, it, it, there was no difference to him. I mean, the first victim he had was a white guy. Yeah. Um, in this episode, uh, Jesse Jackson comes to Milwaukee, um, civil rights leader. He had just lost a presidential campaign around this time uh, for making a odd odd saying this is basically cancel culture in the beginning when he called new york homie town um oh no oh, oh yes yikes that's yeah he said he that's, lost he lost because of homie town uh I, well yeah that's a little <laughs> yeah yeah that'll do it yeah um but jesse jackson does show up and he does it and i will say i understand a lot, of, a lot of people get uh, Jesse Jackson gets a lot of hate, and because he's a piece of shit sometimes, he uh, can be. Yeah. Uh, but for this, I kind of understand what he was doing because uh, he gets questioned by one of his uh, parishioners. Basically, why are we coming out here? You know, Rodney King just got beat. You know, down over here. He's like, well, this is important too, because it was police negligence, uh, societal, you know, blindness. Um, and I think at that time, too, there was enough people in L.A. doing their part yeah. as civil rights leaders. And he was kind of like, well, this is every part of the country needs to be found. Right. Like even in his limo where he's talking about, well, what if we lose? Then we fight. Then we fight the next one and, and the next me. one and the next one. Yeah. Um, I was trying to figure out who that guy was. Me, I too. I couldn't really figure that out. But uh, he goes and sees uh, Glinda's character. Yeah. Um, she is going through a terrible fucking time. She uh, almost loses her job for just being in the building with Dahmer. And it kind of gives you that ripple effect of what that kind of thing can do to not only a neighborhood, but also the people living in that neighborhood. Because um, now it's like, oh, no, I lived in the apartment building with Jeffrey Dahmer. I have to go through all these news co- you know, news people to just get to my house. You know, I had to evacuate when they found everything. Yeah, you know, all those people had to evacuate, and it's and it's fucking wild because of all the crazy stuff he had in his apartment, uh, which he was able to get away with um, for an extensive period of time. I mean, he wasn't at the uh, same level as like fucking Ed Gein, but Ed Gein also had a house to himself. Yeah. Um, and we see that with Lion on the Lawyer. Yeah, he's trying truck. to say, "Hey, there was a guy in Milwaukee, you know, in Wisconsin who did the same thing, and they burned his house and made him crazy." It's just like, yeah, in Plainfield. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. So. Yeah, I can see you trying to make that argument, but also shut the fuck up. Yeah, <laughs> like you're just you're digging his grave at this yeah. point. Like, but Dahmer, I will say, because it was a compulsion, he did not care, and just told him the truth. He told he 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 confessed everything. Like there was nothing. He at no point, and even like some people who examine the case say he wasn't proud of what he did. Like some of the people are, like Gacy, Gacy or, was. Don, or ben, Bundy or Charles Manson. You know this, these these big names. Like there's oh, a pride to it. Yeah, there's a pride. No, he's like no. Look, I have a a condition. I'm not crazy, but I did these things with forethought. Because see, that's that's the problem with insanity. Insanity implies that there was no malice or forethought between the acts. He just did it. Yeah. Uh, unlike the man who kills Dahmer, who is schizophrenic. Yeah. Yeah. And his, his crime, I read into his, he shot a guy in the fucking head trying to rob him mm-hmm. and got, and then put pulled the gun on the other guy who was the witness who testified against him, got to put him in prison and asked him to write him a check. Dude wrote him a check for three grand and fucking ran. Yeah. Um, and in this one, we see that 
Glenda's like the whole thing about her was she tried and she tried and she tried and like you said she kind of plays two different people um, in this series uh, where like people called and called Pamela Bess and uh, Glenda I forgot her last name but that's that's the uh, that's who she was mostly playing as this Glenda who Mm -hmm. lived across the street in another building yeah Um, and this one they portray her as living next door on yeah, the apartment. Which was Pamela Bass. Yeah. Uh, that was his actual neighbor. Yeah. Um, and just her life, life being ruined. Even her daughter's like, don't go back there. Um, and it's kind of fucked up. Because toward the end of the episode, uh, she had talked and, you know, kind of let it all hang out. It's like, look, my life, you know, it's tough. I feel res- she feels responsible for these deaths. That's what killed me. And it's like a version of survivor's guilt a little bit. Um, but we get a scene where it's her and her daughter is walking up back to the apartment and these guys are taking fucking photos of the apartment or the building and they find it distasteful and the daughter breaks the camera and five minutes later the cops show up it's like your response time is fucking great when she breaks this asshole's camera yeah but when this dude's like eating motherfuckers like having a buffet you tell me not to worry about it even though i've called you eight fucking times yeah uh, and we get actually gonna get a scene of her like crying on the phone to the cops. She's like, "He's killing someone. I can't go over there." And the cops basically like, "Do you see it? Do you see it?" Yeah, like, and it's the malaise of it. Like that just pisses me off. Yeah, the nonchalant attitude, the indifference, yeah. the the apathy that's expressed in his and voice. The guys that play the two cops do a great job of just being pieces of shit. Yeah, well, that was the actual yeah. fucking cops. Yeah. Um, and this is a very this is probably my second favorite episode just because it kind of get delves into the other character a little bit. She becomes close actually to the father of Kamsak, Um and it kind of works itself out. Because his other son, yeah, because like his other son gets married and they share a whiskey at the wedding together. Yeah, um, yeah it's 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 nice on that end. And, yeah. Um, I Gullet. feel like a lot of people. I'm, I'm sorry, I don't mean to cut you off. I was just gonna say, I feel like a lot of people don't focus on that portion of the series. They f- focus on all the negative and horrifying aspects mm-hmm. when there is some beauty that came out of it because those survivors, in a way, really kind of came together to comfort one another, to show one another that it's like, hey, we know that they all fucked up, but I'm on your side, even though the rest of these people aren't. Talking about like uh, the city of Milwaukee, the police department. Yeah. Uh, in the next one, we get episode eight, Lionel, which the la- this and the last two episodes kind of run all together to me because I kind of yeah. I didn't. There I wasn't really a separation of them. Yeah, um, and this is actually one of the shorter ones. This only came out in like forty-seven minutes, but it's basically about the dad. Yeah, uh, and his and what he saw and the weight of it. The only thing, the only second part of this episode was um, the cops being relieved of duty, uh, and then being going after the uh, mayor. The mayor and the police chief at the time because the cops say something almost threatening a little bit he's like we'll be here longer than you will and i'm just like that's your fucking boss i should beat the shit out of you yeah if he if he was an actual cop like if the, if the chief was an actual cop i would have took one behind the fucking building and beat him with the hose like <laughs> i'm sorry like this there's some things in this world that don't change no and that, talking down to your fucking superior that, that that shouldn't change anyway especially with the police union sort of yeah. bullshit they were trying to pull and like i would make him suck the gun like a dick like, <laughs> be, be like a real fag huh? be like fucking denzel washington in training day oh god you told me to suck you said to suck my dick suck your dick that's what you wanted right no no 
And like, just to be quick on this one, we actually see just a lot of a uh, like some tie-ins from Jeff growing up, like the taxidermy thing. Um, this is where Jeff had that box. Yeah, uh, uh, that special little box that his grandma gave him and with the fucking human head. It. Yeah, and um, it kind of plays off as the, the, it seems like they try to play off in this episode that Lionel's more responsible than anybody for the way Dahmer is. In a way, yes. And I and I just see it as more of he gave him the facilitated the tools, but he didn't realize the methods or the madness that would come with it. Now, do you think that was just like willful ignorance, or he just didn't know? I feel like it wasn't. Form of it was a form of willful ignorance in the sense of emotional suicide, and by mm-hmm. that I mean I feel like he would have had a mental breakdown confronting it directly that it yeah. had to happen for him to finally be like, "This is what my son became." Yeah, because he realized. I feel like that comes to fruition when he's sitting in that uh, interrogation room and the two police detectives are telling him exactly what happened. Yeah, and you know. Whenever you're ready to talk, we'll be in the next room. Yeah. Leaving him to his thoughts because that's when he, he needed the clarification and the closure, in a way, of what his son did. Yeah. Uh, and we get it. I can't say if this is true or not, uh, but uh, the father of the late Ocean Boy was getting uh, hate calls. From the fucking cops. From the cops. And they portrayed it as two cops that got his son killed. And... I can't say if that's true or not. That may be, you know, taking liberties. But I, I feel like when when you think about law enforcement and police unions, I, they have enough sway that they could probably get some fucking on duty or off duty guys to do some shit like yeah. that. To do but a the way they portrayed campaign. it in this, it was the two cops. Yeah. So, yeah, I could I could see, especially if you work in the same unit, the same mm-hmm. precinct as yeah. those guys. You know, it, like when they got reinstated, they had a whole big ass party, and the only person that was off to the side from that just standing in disappointment was the chief yeah um and we kind of get the whole uh jesse jackson working with the mayor to try to save face with the city a little bit um police chief also awarding uh um glenda with yeah. the citizen the yeah award and that was going on concurrently with um, the police union awards yeah. and that, that was just that. you're like you motherfuckers what the fuck do they deserve an award for um, going into uh, the second to last episode, the boogeyman. This was this kind of uh, it seemed like exposition with the characters, kind of like cl- closing point. Yeah. Um, was we get more of the victim families, a lot more. Yeah. Um, and Penelope Ann Miller knocking on the door of one of the people to ask to write something for Jeff so he could go to a fucking mental hospital instead of prison. Yeah. Uh, what a pull, bitch. <laughs> Good try. You fucking failed. <laughs> yeah, and it kind of gives that, you know, the boogeyman is a pretty good way of doing this because, yeah, like he, he was able to kind of s- create this mythos about himself. And this is where we get a lot of lies about Jeff uh, Jeffrey Dahmer, um, about what some of the stuff he did. Um, yeah, his family life too. Yeah, the, oh, he was beat, he was molested. It's like, no, 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 no. No. Uh, no, nah, he was just a strong dude who fucking wanted to kill people who had a compulsion. I think it, I think it, in like America, especially at that time, sensationalism was really what was in in terms mm-hmm. of journalism and talk shows. So you yeah. needed some kind of reasonable understanding as to why this person did these things. Yeah. And the only thing that I, I feel like most pop culture can cling on to is uh, incidents of insanity mm-hmm. or 
monstrous behavior, even though this is another fucking human being that killed and ate yeah. people. Um, and with this one, you know, he's in jail at this, you know, he's in solitary confinement almost. Yep. Um, but um, he's getting the fan mail uh, from these men, mainly women. Um, Just strange to me. Asking for like signatures and stuff, which I see that a lot. Yeah. Uh, especially with like people like John Wayne Gacy. Constantly. Um, who did the art. Um, he used to have uh, pen pals too. Yeah. Uh, but on the other end of this, his dad decides to write a book, um, which doesn't go well. So around this time, what's big is the Son of Sam laws. Um, Ted, now, keep in mind, Ted Bundy had already been executed in 1989. Yeah. Uh, the son of Sam, David Berkowitz. David Berkowitz. What he did while he was in jail was make money by selling his story, stuff like that. Now, it wasn't until later on that they they wrote laws in the books where serial killers or criminals can't make profit off their crimes, um, and we get the son of Sam laws. Uh, John Wayne Gacy was able to kind of surpass this a little bit because he sold paintings and stuff like that. He commissioned, yeah. Yeah, commissioned painting. Um, but what Jeffrey Dahmer was doing was almost the same thing. <clears throat> he was doing signatures. He was selling them on poker cards and stuff like that to inmates, you know, just to have more money in the canteen, basically, just to live a life a little bit better. People sending to put money on his books. Yeah. Um, People sending like pornographic photographs and stuff like that. I mean, and he was also on top of this. He was taunting other prisoners. Yes, um, and in all intents and purposes, all intents and purposes, uh, Jeffrey Dahmer's kind of a dick. Like a fucking like he's treating it like it's high school. Yeah, and like uh, Scarver, I think it was Christopher Scarver was his name, the guy who killed him. Mm-hmm. Is basically tells him I don't like that shit. Yeah, and well, then he warns it, him numerous times. Yeah, and it, it's it's kind of crazy how how much they let him uh, go on. Ronald Flowers, uh, I think, is the man who killed him. When it Ronald Flowers, Ronald Flowers, hold on, you're probably right. Um, but um. Uh, Nope, Christopher Scarver. Yeah. Christopher J. Scarver. Yeah, I think Ronald Flowers is one of his victims. Um, anyway, uh, sorry, going back to it. Um, yeah, you're right. Um, Scarver's did, you know, approach him. Um, and this is where we get later on, I think, the real truth of the matter of how Jeffrey Dahmer died was because Scarver just saw him as someone that was truly evil. Yeah. Um, Because at that time, you know, Scarver's is diagnosed with schizophrenia. Uh, He believes he's doing the Lord's work. Yep. Um, Which, with schizophrenia, yeah, I could totally believe that. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) With the the schizo bias, yeah. Yeah. But I will say, he did the world a favor. (laughs) He did. As I'm actually uh, quite anti-death penalty. Really? Uh, because uh, I need beyond a reasonable doubt. Jeffrey Dahmer, totally up for it. Gacy, he confessed, yeah. yeah he can, Gacy, Dahmer, Bundy. Yeah, they deserve every fucking volt of electricity poison in their vein. In my opinion, you know. Fully but then we agree. got people who get killed all the time who did never did anything. Yeah. And get fucked over. 
Yeah, uh, West, West Memphis Three almost got executed. Uh, and they were on death row for a while. Uh, the Mantiot crew, <laughs> you know, same thing. Um, and that's why I don't believe in it. Um, but for these guys, yes, yes, straight to hill, yeah, bury them deep. <laughs> if there's a possible way for them to suffer longer, like let's not use an anesthetic. Let's do if the Percy have... Whitmore thing where we don't wet the sponge. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Does he have brothers? Does he have kids? Yeah, let's kill them too, just to be sure. Just to be sure. <laughs> we got to make sure war. to weed them out. Let's let's go the North Korea route <laughs> and just like that generational imprisonment. You know, extermination, mass grave, mass grave. Hey, we were kind enough to put a little dirt on you. <laughs> What is a mass grave but a crop of renewal? <laughs> <laughs> we will grow corn from the corpses of the ones who have wronged us. There was a movie I used to watch. Uh, it used to be on TV all the time. It was about these uh, very liberal people who were killing criminals and bury them in the backyard growing tomatoes. I can't remember what it's called. It's fucking fantastic. Oh, my God. You know, I know what I'm talking about? Yes, I do. Because they come across a dude who's very fucking badass, and it's just like it was hard for them to kill him. Yeah. He was like a serial killer. Yeah, 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 yeah. But I, they I, bury him in the backyard and grow tomatoes and eat the sauce. I can't even remember what it was. I it know was a fun movie. I remember seeing the sauce in a, yeah. in a scene like they do a close-up of it, too, to make you sick. Yeah, it was like a vigilante justice kind of thing. Yeah. It's like, no, no. But they're very like liberal like doctors and psychiatrists and stuff. And it, it was kind of like Dirty Harry, but like if yeah. the whole fucking city was actually against him. <laughs> I think like the jury or something like that. I think so. Yeah, it was, it was a fucking weird movie. Um, anyway, uh, that's what that kind of reminds me of. <laughs> just like, just, that's how we should do it. Just bury it in the backyard and grow a crop on top of them. <laughs> um, and so going into the last episode, we've already set the stages of old oh boy wanting to kill Dahmer. Uh, Lionel's actually come, you know, the, the families, the, his family have kind of come to terms with what's going to happen. Um, but this episode, the last episode, opens up in 1977 with John Wayne Gacy. Which terrified me. Really? Honestly, the actor they got to get Gacy, to play Gacy mm. for that brief uh, moment of time was probably some of the best method acting I think I've ever seen. That guy reminded mm. me of Gacy, talked like Gacy, had the Chicago accent. Yeah. Did you ever watch uh, The Good Place? Yes. He's in that. No shit. He's the gay. He's one of the gay guys in the gay couple. Oh my god, you're right. Yeah. Oh my god, they're shrimp. <laughs> I didn't even realize that. Yeah. Um, I think what got me though in that scene with Gacy was just the fucking the, the, when he was dressed up as a clown drowning the guy, mm. and he just said, "Oh God, please stop!" And he said, "God's not here. Look at me. I'm God." Yeah. Um, yeah. So we get a little bit more into uh, Mr. Scarver too in this. Um, and you had mentioned it earlier. At one point, there is John Wayne Gacy being executed, Jeffrey Dahmer being baptized, and an eclipse. And Scarver fucking screaming to try yeah. to get the permission to kill him. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and before all this, uh, he's watching an interview with John Wayne Gacy, and he's telling him how he uh, was saved, basically, again. Uh, and he's repentant. Um, yeah. Yeah, fucking asshole yeah it's one of the uh i grew up hearing this a lot my dad he's like what the fuck is that like, <laughs> like, like how are you going to forgive somebody to do all that bullshit <laughs> what is listen we, we i'm a god of forgiveness but there's a fucking limit bro yeah, <laughs> yeah. this is where you go back to when uh, god before you had the kid 
the, the smiting everything, the blood of the lamb, millions of dead motherfuckers drown yeah. the world. Yeah, like you remember that time he just had he told a guy told him he was like I'm gonna have your kids eaten by bears because they're blasphemous. You know what? Say that I put a bet on you, and I'm gonna see if you can live through all this shit. So what he's gonna do is he's gonna kill your crops. I'm gonna kill your whole fucking family. Yeah. <laughs> And it, sounds like, it sounds like an elaborate extortion. Yeah, <laughs> and we're gonna see how who who goes who goes crying to who. You know what I mean? Yeah, uh, yeah it's very fucked. <laughs> it's very fucked. But hey, I got money riding on this, so you better not let me down. I got twelve ponies on this. <laughs> uh, but the episode is actually very titled very well. Um, the God of Forgiveness and the God of Vengeance. I love um, the title for it. Now you know we get this. The preacher he approaches uh, out the gate. Uh, what a fucking approach. And the priest been like, yeah, daughter, sit down. Let's have a chat. And it's just like, really? Father, you gotta understand. <laughs> you gotta understand. This dude ate motherfuckers. Not not spiritually, like, in the body of Christ. Like even, he ate the body of people. Even Scarver <laughs> says that before he kills him, too. It's like, it's one thing to kill somebody, but you, you desecrated the corpses. You no. ate them. Yeah. Like, that's the fucked up part. It's yeah. like, it would be one thing if you were just being like the son of Sam. You run up, shoot somebody, and you run away. Yeah. This was, no, you were taking your time. Yeah. Um, and so he goes down the path of Christendom. Uh, um, and this is something that actually legitimately makes his dad kind of proud again and I'm just like this is just another thing it's just another ploy yeah and it's just another sense of trying to be normal again uh, and I thought it was funny that one line of dialogue was someone had sewn and made the baptism gown and sent some it to lady him. in Oklahoma made this for me or Oklahoma <laughs> City and I'm like oh no this is why you guys get bombed this is why you, <laughs> this is why a building blew up yeah this shit like this Oklahoma check your people Timmy McVay saw this he was just looking for that person let me guess did she live in that little panhandle that little sliver of Oklahoma you know that panhandle exists why fun fact uh, Texas couldn't have that sliver because anything above that parallel was anti-slavery Oh, so they gave God. it to Oklahoma. Which, in turn, was the uh, place for whenever they did the Great mis- uh, Displacement. Yes. <laughs> the Trail of Tears. That's where everybody ended up. Yeah. Uh, that's also where, you know, Oklahoma is such a weird, like, the there's called the Sooners. It's a funny story. Uh, it's about plots of, I know we're going off a tangent for just a second, but just fun facts about history. Uh, they're called the Sooners because a bunch of women camped out in the middle of the fucking night. Uh, and when the land rush contest started they had like a four mile advance run so they came sooner than later <laughs> oh my god so they took up more land before all the other prospectors came and you know plotted land jesus because they slept out in the middle of the fucking night in the <laughs> desert <laughs> it's a lot you can learn from oklahoma uh tulsa uh, a large uh, black only community was burned out yeah tulsa uh, race riots i learned that in school and some people in my high school like went on facebook and were like oh we never heard about this i'm like you didn't pay attention then because i fucking heard about I it i actually don't remember learning about that in history class i remember hearing about the new york and chicago race riots yeah. where uh new york was because of drafting yeah no nah, this, this wasn't a race riot this was straight up murder yeah uh, no this was raising the town to the ground because they're making more money than yeah. us but yeah I'll, 
shout out to Mr. Jordan of West Idaho High School. That, <laughs> shit. that motherfucker was cool about his job. He had like Civil War clothes and shit. Like he's real big into that trench art, I all love kinds that. of shit. I love that. Had a real rib from Jeffrey Dahmer. <laughs> <laughs> okay, all right. Oh, okay. God damn. <laughs> yeah. He he had the same copy of The Exorcist Three that Jeffrey Dahmer yeah. used. Yeah, the rib of the man. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so he's he's. Do you believe that he was actually repentant about it, or it was just another ploy? I feel like it was another ploy. It was kind of like him joining the army. It was him getting a job at the candy factory, getting a job do, uh, doing blood work with people. It was just another thing to make him. I forgot about state. the candy factory. I forgot that's where they arrested him because I used to. I worked at a candy factory. He was just up there stirring chocolate. All I day. worked at a candy factory. It's a fucking weird, weird job. <laughs> I can't imagine working with the guys that stirred chocolate because they just they looked miserable. Did you notice that everybody in there? It wasn't even just him. All, all the people. Well, if in you the look background. at the lighting, the lighting is like a dull yellow. <laughs> like a sepia kind of uh, part of me wanted to see like a gag of like a dude falling asleep and falling yeah. into the fucking chocolate like a dark Willy Wonka <laughs> and somebody else goes in and takes over his shift yeah oh fuck Jenkins fell in go ahead Richards go ahead. oh it's dark chocolate okay <laughs> oh god push him down if he tries to come out he tried to fucking this tried... Augustus gloop motherfucker <laughs> he... fuck you Augustus gloop you're not getting disability <laughs> oh my god the Gene Wilder fucking uh <laughs> Willy Wonka with Dahmer. No, 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 no. Don't let him come up for air. I'm not getting another fucking lawsuit, yeah. okay? I can't lose this factory again. What do you think of the one you call God? <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he's forgotten you. <laughs> it's just Joffrey Dahmer singing along with the fucking, cat, with the fucking workers. Who Until just... an Oompa Loompa just beats him to death. <laughs> yeah. With the fucking ore from the gondola. <laughs> God, oh me, is working through me. It's just Jeez. a midget with a fucking stick. I think what's fucking funny though is that they uh, there used to just be a theory of Dahmer how he got killed in that weight room is that it was supposedly by the guards, but the Netflix series just made it clear no, the guards let that happen. Well, remember that there was another like uh, rumor going around that they uh, someone stuck a mop stick up his ass. Uh, that was a big one for a very long time, oh, and that wasn't true at all. No, and I think that just because for the fact that he was gay, and that happens to we see that a lot in movies and cinema. Yeah, of that being like done. For example, Vito. Yeah, they shoved the pool cue up his ass. Yes, which is just another part of you know that story. Of like it's it's played up like. Oh, we, we, he's such a degenerate, so we did something degenerative to him. Yeah, it was like uh, the jokes that uh, Fat Dom in that episode, in the later episode, was telling to Silvio and uh, Carlo, where they both finally fucking snapped and killed him. Yeah. Um, and that was that was one of the false stories, was that he had a broomstick set up his ass. No, he just got beat to death with a barbell. <laughs> and didn't fight back. And that's what I think is kind of fascinating. I think he, you know, he accepted his fate. Because even, uh, like, I know it was probably dramatized, but, like, when he was getting arrested and he went, for what I've done, I should be dead. Yes. But he was even pushing for the death penalty. Well, he yells yells that at Scarver in the cafeteria. He's like, you know, I asked to die, right? I told you. He tells multiple people that shit. Um, And I I just can't think of, you know, in the back of my mind, what if he had fought back? Because Jeffrey Dahmer wasn't a weak man. I feel like it would have been bloodied. Both think, of them. I think, yeah, I think it would have been a knockdown drag out. Yeah, like fighting to the last breath type of thing. And the way they shoot this is like every time he takes a strike, it's a they're showing him striking one of his victims. 
uh, and all the terrible shit he's doing after every hit, after every hit, every hit. Um, and then it goes into uh, Lionel being called. Uh, now we get to like the epilogue of the Jeffrey Dahmer story. Close the book finally. Uh, yeah, close the book finally. Uh, the only last, you know, last standing event is the uh, cremation of the body. Um, they had wanted to dissect his brain. And his mother and his father kept going back and forth in court over that, which is why it took him so long to finally get cremated. Yeah. Uh, I do love the, the the acting here with the dad and the mom. One last fight. Uh, <laughs> just because it's just like, one last fuck you. She's like, we could finally find out why he did it. And Lionel gives the perfect line. I think me and you both have different ideas on why he fucking did this, and they're probably both true. I mean, it's just like, he was just so vicious to he her. He hated and that fucking woman. I'm just like, like how did you like her long enough to fuck her at least twice? <laughs> how many fucking pills? I just love when he walks out of that fucking one courtroom scene, and Molly Ringwald's trying to rein him in. Yeah. And he's just Lionel, going, how Lionel. many fucking pills have you taken today? What, a hundred? A thousand? Yeah. Lionel. <laughs> No, she needs to hear this. <laughs> Fuck you, bitch. It just, it just reminds me of like Henry and his wife, yeah. Henry Hill. Just it, loud, obnoxious, fucking waking the neighbors. Yeah. Neighbors are coming out of their house to look. Yeah. Do you know your wife's your, your whore? <laughs> Hello, yes, Mr. Landlord. Do you know that the woman in 3C, Janice Rossi, is a whore? <laughs> And the kids are fucking crying. It's just that, that everything comes back to these gangster flicks because we've just been on a binge on these. Yeah, honestly, it does. There's so many reminiscent scenes. Yeah. Um, and we do get one kind of scene with Glenda where she's been... Uh, so we kind of glossed over it. Um, the apartment building was demolished and uh, the city of Milwaukee was going to put in a, uh, a park. Uh, so... During this time, a park was put in, and she had requested, along with some others, uh, a memorial be placed for the victims who were killed in the apartment. Uh, and at the very end, before the credits roll, it said, to this day, Milwaukee has not put in a... Nope, it's vacant. It's a it's vacant, vacant fucking lot. Yeah, no monument, no nothing. That was like uh, Pazuzu's house uh, from yeah. down here. Yeah. Um, yeah. Where was where was he? Was he... Uh, when he was in Salem. That's what I thought. I couldn't remember if it was Greensboro or Winston-Salem, but he uh, they, they left his house there. I, I found that out because I looked up the address, and I was like, there's just an empty fucking lot. And sure enough, I look up at the TV, and it's like, yeah, they demolished his house, and there was nothing there anymore. They didn't build anything else. Yeah, that whole Vice special, we, we talked about it on the podcast. So. I watched that, and I also looked into some other like uh, YouTubers doing their stories on them, and I was just in total fucking awe. Yeah. Well, even if it was still around, it'd probably be like, you know, because of where it's at people would just be hanging around there all the time trying to fucking take photos yeah, and shit it's the same thing with the uh, building that Dahmer had or Gacy's house yeah or Ed Gein's property and stuff like that I think there's a highway going through that right now yeah um, it's the same with uh, there's a bunch of dead I forget I'm trying to remember what happened with uh, I was reading a story about uh, they had burnt they had burnt down something and a bunch of victims now there's just the road there uh, oh um are you talking about that uh, that orphanage? I think so. In Ohio, where it was like the husband and wife that owned it? Yeah. Yeah. Um, God, I cannot... The, the Gore House. Yeah. That's what it was, because it, it eventually burned down because they had a lot of issues of vandalism. Yeah. But like... It's it is, is also this... Uh, Fred and Mae West in Britain. Yes. They built a road on top of yes. it. <laughs> yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, so they kind of... The, the city... Uh, the last two episodes are a big uh, f- fuck you Milwaukee 
uh, and fuck episodes. you to the Milwaukee PD. And a fuck you to the city of Milwaukee. Yeah. Um, and I'm kind of curious if this is going to have any lasting effects on the city of Milwaukee, if they're actually ever going to do a I don't a know memorial. what it is with, like, fucking Midwestern cities and just civil unrest constantly being in the theme. Like, Minneapolis, Milwaukee, fucking uh, Chicago. Great Lakes. It, it's something, it's something about the, the Great Lakes. That, well, Flint would tell you about that, too. Yeah. <laughs> that, that actually gives me a... Th- uh, I actually... Uh, postulated a theory about that with uh, uh, my dad was uh, the amount of lead exposure through gasoline and pre-EPA regulations breeding these people, serial killers, because they're all born in the seven, uh, early 60s, late 50s, and maybe their exposure to a, a chemical that does not only mind-altering substances, but prevents intelligence and prevents uh, uh, kind of aggravates well richard ramirez is a poster child for that too and also having a cousin that served in the vietnam war being part of that generation and him showing and uh photos of murders and talking about grizzly war stories too has an effect especially with somebody with a fragile mind like richard's yeah but also like lead poisoning can't be reversed yeah you can't undo it once it's done it's done it's kind of like mercury poisoning too it's like you can survive it but you're going to eventually develop uh, dementia. Well, that's the same with like uh, the lighthouse. Yeah, that's why they all went nuts. Is because they're exposed to fucking mercury. <laughs> it's like those three uh, lighthouse keepers in Scotland that went missing. There's a movie about that. It's very good. Um, Get out of here. Yeah, uh, I, I'll show it to you after this. It's a very good movie. Uh, it explains what happens in a in kind of a more serious sense. Uh, but yeah, it's, it's it's a it's a wild fucking movie. Jesus, I got it. Uh, but yeah, that's the story of. Jeffy D. Jeffrey D. Jeffrey D. Coming at you. <laughs> the next Coming big EP. <laughs> Just don't eat the meat. Grandmaster Flesh. Grandmaster Flesh. Oh, my fucking God. <laughs> oh, my God. You know you listen to that shit. It'd be almost as good as uh, uh, Dee Dee Ramon's fucking rap album. <laughs> Why do you have to remind me of that? It's almost Because Alex showed me a documentary about the Ramones. <laughs> it's almost as bad as Joe Pesci's rap album. Oh, my God. I love Joe Pesci's rap album. I would love that shit. It's actually not that bad, but it's shocking to hear Joe Pesci doing it. It's so bad, it's good. It's hey, one Henry, of those this is called, Hey, Henry, am I funny? <laughs> <laughs> this next one is called, Shoot the Rat. <laughs> Shoot the Rat. This is one that died in a cornfield. <laughs> oh, my God. Yeah. I, I, I always catch that scene in Casino. I see the first half of it where the dude gets his hand broken. Then I see Joe Pesci getting fucking violently murdered in the middle of a cornfield. I always catch it at the tail end where Robert Nero's car explodes and he just casually walks out of it. Yeah, yeah, I'm fine. I'm yeah, fine. fine. I'm fine. Don't fucking touch the suit. Yeah, don't fucking touch that, That's how he moved, too. Like, don't fucking touch me. <laughs> I got it. <laughs> nah, this, this is a really good series. This is... Uh, yeah. um, what was it, uh, the extremely wicked and despi- uh, uh, despisable or whatever? Yeah, the, de- so- the, de- the Ted Bundy one. Uh, Zach Efron being Ted Bundy, and this guy Evan Peters being Dahmer. I'm kind of curious what the next one's going to be. I was kind of hoping that like in the, the the Ted Bundy one when James Hetfield pulls him over the first time, kind of hoping the second cop is going to be Lars Ulrich. <laughs> <laughs> you know how fast you were going, man. <laughs> Just Whip- coked out of his you mind. You could have got whiplash. <laughs> Lars, god damn it. No. <laughs> fuck you. <laughs> Just fuck 
you. Like, you're just doing it the whole time. And then you see Dave Mustaine walking, and he's like, I can do the job. I'll do it. <laughs> no, because that's no, because that's how you start taking over fuck shit. both you guys. Get the, Get the fuck, fuck out. out. Get the, Get fuck, the out. fuck out. Get I knew the, it was a problem we let James Hetfield in here, because he brings you fucking assholes. <laughs> yeah. Every fucking time. <laughs> it's like you're driving a fucking clown car. <laughs> You'll pile into that three-seater Mini Cooper he's got. I didn't think he was driving a Mini Cooper, yeah. to be honest with you. I did see a joke about Ted Bundy. It's just like... You know, everybody talks about how handsome he was. You know, his greatest fucking achievement was was pulling all that pussy, that fucking VW, <laughs> in that little yellow VW. <laughs> a fucking Volkswagen. He drove across country in a Volkswagen. And then he stole another one that looked exactly like it. Yeah. <laughs> Victims of circumstance. Victims of <laughs> circumstance, happenstance, and coincidence. Probably ran over Jim Jones' foot with that Volkswagen. <laughs> yeah. And I would have loved. I would have. He makes a. I feel like Jim Jones would make a thing where it's like you have to drive a certain car, mm-hmm. and Volkswagen is not on the fucking list. If I see anybody in a Volkswagen, you talk about, about Jim Jones. You know, yeah. nineteen seventy-seven when Gacy's you know kicking ass and fucking where he's at. Can you imagine if he had just went over to Indianapolis for like a day trip and went to see the people's temple back in, and been like, holy shit, this is kind of my vibe. You know, I kind of like this, and just like Jim, Jimmy, Jimmy's like, come on back, man. Let me talk to you. Come on back. Hey, you a big boy. How big a boy are you? <laughs> Careful, don't sit in that chair. You might cause it to break. <laughs> you fat fuck. It just keeps making fat jokes. Gacy's just getting more fucking mad. And that's why he's wearing glasses. He just punched his fucking lights out. <laughs> he's got a job breathing. Now he's got to wear the wife beater glasses. <laughs> why do you wear those? Because Gacy hits like a bitch. Yeah. <laughs> what? What? I know an old bitch named Eileen hits harder than him. <laughs> He, I don't think you should be talking about Mr. Gacy like this, Mr. Jones. Fuck him. He's in prison. What's he going to do? Write me a very strongly worded letter? I'll send him a fucking packet of flavor aid. Yeah. <laughs> uh, shout out to our Discord. We actually have someone in uh, uh, the Discord. You, uh, <laughs> I got to put this out here because I thought it was funny as fuck. Um, it was in our uh, cryptic conspiracy cult. Uh, Waffle House Wizard uh, and said this is a, so where's my new episode I need it I've drank the flavor aid well Mr. Waffle House Wizard the shout outs for you in the discord <laughs> or the great beyond if you drank the right flavor aid and I'm sorry my bullshit is letting you down as he quotes this, this motherfucker can't believe this bullshit Chris is letting me down <laughs> Jesus Christ you're like a crack dealer we got a friend man we got a fan this one, this episode goes out to you, brother. Real man of genius, <laughs> Mr. Waffle House Wizard. Yeah. More of an IHOP magician. Get the fuck out of here. Get the fuck out of here. You're as bad we as make it. burgers. You're as bad as it. Yeah, why don't you go make burgers with the fucking Denny's Druid? Yeah. Oh, man. <laughs> Oh god, yeah, this, this is probably like when you go to like West Virginia, you just don't see any Waffle House or Denny's. You just see fucking uh, Tudor's Biscuit World. What the fuck <laughs> even is that? <laughs> oh, get this shit. So just the, the little down memory lane. Uh, I went to uh, Fayetteville, West Virginia, to see Bridge Day. People paraglide or jump off this fucking bridge. It's yeah. um, six o'clock in the fucking morning. The whole thing's about to start. Fucking Christ! I walk into a Tudor, Tudor's Biscuit World to get a sandwich. And I didn't really pay attention because I just slept in my car across the street and just wandered over there. I didn't realize until I kind of like rubbed my eyes and had a, a drink and I looked around and I'm like, holy shit, it's the ATF, the NTSB, 
fucking SBI, the fucking ATF, the DEA agents from like the Alphabet Squad were all in this the motherfucker. Alphabet Squad, like all these mother, every fucking almost every agency. sheriffs, everybody were here because it's a bridge that has a festival on it. There was a Huey flying over and shit. I'm just like. That's a lot of different agencies here. I bet the CIA here. guys were the ones smoking inside. Yeah, it was like, I saw all these guys, and my buddy Kid was outside, dude. I'm like, uh, I just had breakfast with the government. I had breakfast. The man. I just had breakfast with basically where all of our tax money's going to. Yeah. Turns out a lot of them eat like shit. Yeah. <laughs> a lot of pork biscuits. A lot of pork biscuits. And, like, you're wondering why these guys That's what we fit. call the cops in Milwaukee, pork biscuits. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't know they made fucking police uniforms in quadruple XL. <laughs> <laughs> Who are you running after? Wow, that's a big stab vest. That boy, that's more of a stab robe. <laughs> That's that's great. They make moo-moos out of Kevlar now. Just like seeing uh, Bobby Bacala put on a fucking vest. It's just like, where do you go? Where did you find that fucking thing? Oh, the fucking the hunting vest. The, all the orange where he just busts out laughing. He doesn't even say anything. He just starts laughing at him and walks out. And he's like, what? It's safety. I got, I got, Shut the fuck up. I got my limits too, Junior. Yeah. yeah. Well, this episode is for you, Waffle House Wizard. Thanks, yeah. thanks everybody for listening. Uh, we'll be back again with um, another uh, cryptic conspiracy cult and couch potatoes. Something good for you. And maybe something a little bit new on the back end that's coming up. Something bad for you. Something bad for you. <laughs>